When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Starts the second half. Solanke inside the box. Dominic Solanke! Within seconds of the restart! A huge goal for Bournemouth away at Fulham in this top of the table clash. But it had to be, didn't it? Their top scorer, number 17 for the season, right in front of the travelling Cherry supporters. Hello and welcome to episode 141 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Hope you're doing well this week. You're probably doing a lot better than previous weeks because despite another draw, in hindsight, you can consider our point at Fulham a good draw. We'd have taken a draw, albeit we did take the lead and then concede late. That's disappointing, but we feel okay about it. Discussing the match at Craven Cottage was myself, Sam Davis, and Mr. Tiggs as we wax lyrical about a number of things and expressed our disappointment about others. Of course, Mr. Tiggs is with us. It's it feels like a long time since we've seen each other, mate. Yeah, it's been uh, what about forty eight hours ish? <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit more. Maybe a little bit more. Uh, yeah, we had a lovely a lovely time, didn't we, Sam? On on Friday, actually, uh, in in Fulham, and I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later on. We will do, and uh, throughout the show, we'll be referring to some live chat. So if you're listening back. We are looking at the YouTube comments that are coming in and we will be referring to them and putting them on screen. Now, we just want to give a couple of mentions before we get uh, get started. Firstly, Nonny John Garrard. His funeral was yesterday and I was privileged to be invited to the wake at Dean Corps. Uh, no footage from me on here, but uh, you can see a number of videos on Nonny's page on Facebook, but also on the Echo website to see how well attended it was. It it started rainy and gloomy, but as soon as Nonny actually arrived at Dean Court, everything brightened up and even the sun came out at Dean Court. It was a fitting day to remember such a great man. And uh, we'll look forward to singing with him again with that big red army against Blackburn at the weekend. And you know what? That did for the last match, it kickstarted the atmosphere for the first few minutes of the game. Don't it? What a, what a great start it was to hear his voice. Yeah, it's it is amazing that you know the club are going to be doing that throughout the season. I think, and mm. um, it's not going to be the same, but you know it's, it's the best. It's the best we can get to it, and I'm I'm sure that we'll continue in Nonny's tradition and, and make lots and lots of noise um, in his memory. 
It was great to hear the eulogies and the speeches. Russell uh, at the chapel came up with some corking story that absolutely made me giggle and still makes me giggle today because I can just imagine Nonny saying it as well, Tig. So him and his mates were at an away game and uh, on their way back, you know, stopped, stopped for a bit of food. This must have been about 20 years ago. Do you remember the height of the mad cow disease and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do indeed. And, yeah. um, you know, they were kind of wondering what to eat. And uh, Nonny said... Uh, no, um, I'm not having a, I'm not having a beef burger because of the, you know, mad cow disease and all that. And his friends were like, oh, okay, um, what would you like instead? He said, I'll have a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I could, ju- I could just imagine him saying that as well. But absolutely, what a guy. He's going to be so, so missed. Looking forward to hearing his yeah. dulcet tones again at the weekend. And also, just a brief note, you've probably seen that Cherries have drawn Yeovil away in the FA Cup third round. It's a match which I'm pretty sure will be ripe for TV selection. Yeovil, National League against Cherries, maybe top of the championship by then, you never know. So nearer the time, I'm sure we'll sink our teeth into that. However, all eyes are on the league between now and then. And no wonder, I mean, look at the table. We are still... One point away from Fulham. We feared it was going to be more, didn't we, Tiggs? We've got to say. Yeah, I mean, all of us going into the game, we've, we've not been on great form. There's been a lot going on injury-wise and, and morale-wise. And we didn't really know how we were going to shape up and whether we'd have much of a chance, especially with them you know, firing so, so well. But, hey, you know, we put up a hell of a fight. And um, I'm very pleased with the result. It seems to be, despite the fact that we are perhaps misfiring, I mean, look at that, three draws in a row. Yeah. Other teams are beating each other. I mean, Blackburn, look at their form. They're, they're, they're arguably the form side in the Championship at the moment, and we would have to be playing them next, absolutely typically. But Stoke City uh, beating Queen's Park Rangers, which was, um, you could say, a surprise result. Not too sure. I mean, Charlie Austin missed his penalty, but then Stoke City won 2-0 at their place. Everyone's beating each other. So it's just as well that that's happening whilst we're not picking up points. But we've got we've got some really tough games ahead. And yeah, that starts against Blackburn. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that. And our form going into those games isn't the greatest. But after our draw at Craven Cottage on Friday night, we may have seen little moments within the game that could spark some kind of galvanisation, couldn't it? I mean, that Steve Cook moment, yeah. the set-piece goal immediately from the restart where, you know, a number of players were involved and it absolutely came off. Those little moments and also the fact that we were throwing our bodies on the line, not just Steve Cook, but others were too. Maybe that's the little spark that we need. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, we're... We're a bit different to to teams we've had in the past, teams that we've been in the past in terms of the way that we approach games. And there is maybe more of an emphasis on control of a game than perhaps taking it by the scruff of the neck. But, you know, that's that's the hand we've been dealt. That's the team that we've got at the moment. That's the way they've been asked to play. So to see them fight for as long as they did was great against, you know, very tricky opponents and under difficult conditions. So, yeah, I mean... We've still got a healthy gap when you showed the league table there, Sam, between us and third. I think we're six mm. six points still. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So, you know, a win a win against Blackburn, and that makes it that little bit more. But who knows? we just got to keep it going. we just got to keep it going. It would be nice to get a win. So many draws. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So who's watching tonight? We've got Chris Hubble. Hello, Chris. Hope you're all right. 
we got Andrew's life vlog, all the regulars, Mark Singleton's here as well, Bob Street, yeah, rest in peace, Nonny, and great send-off. Uh, Jacob Piercy's here, we got Ethan Burney, nice to see you yesterday, buddy, albeit not in the best circumstances. Also, Chris Edwards, action graphics, I like it, thanks Chris. Paul's here as well, oh, look at this, right, you can tell how old a person is by the TV programmes they watch. Rob, we will be finished by MasterChef. I'm telling you now, don't you worry. <laughs> Heather's here. Rich Neal as well. Carol Toller, hello to you. John Amos as well. It's a good morning to Robert Thompson on the other side of the world. Uh, Chris Edwards, uh, he saw the pics from the Echo of Nonny's funeral and you could tell how much he meant to the club and supporters. Yeah, he absolutely did, Tiggs, didn't he? Yeah. Paul Spicer. What a great send-off Nonny had. May he rest in peace. God bless him. We we will also put some more messages on screen throughout the show. So, yeah, the team came together and so did we, Tiggs. And what a day we had. Isn't it nice to travel to a match, not necessarily in a car, hey? We went on the train. Tom mm. Jordan was, was doing his formation with beer bottles and... I think I think you sort of you know suggested the movement of Jade Nansney and uh, Ryan Christie on that side. It was it was a brilliant <laughs> day, wasn't it? It was a great day, yeah, it really was, and um, it was uh, it's nice to to travel to different places. London is a nicer place for us to go than many because it's a little bit closer, and we get to experience different ways of traveling when we go to places like that, which we did indeed, didn't we, Sam? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and it, it's. It is so nice to use lots of different forms of transport to get there. It was a very leisurely day out. And then we arrived at Fulham. And you know what? Re really interesting at this point to see Thomas Bartlett, a Fulham fan, on chat Thanks, saying Thomas. fans are awful. Worst fans <laughs> at the cottage so far. Well, equally, um, yeah. I mean, any club that uh, needs to resort to clackers to increase their decibel level, uh, back at you, fella. Um, anyway, we've got Ollie Way here as well. Hopefully going to be easy to get tickets at Yeovil. Hello to everyone indeed. And yeah, it was a big hello to Craven Cottage. First time I've been there in quite a while, Tiggs. And I've got to say, mate, it was it was unique. It's um that concourse with home and away fans. Wasn't quite yeah. expecting that, but no trouble, which um I suppose indicates uh the fact that, that you know they and security think that Bournemouth and Fulham's fan bases can pretty much get along. Yeah, I think they pretty much can it is, it is unique i mean i think personally when i go to games i do like to go to places that are a little bit different and craven cottage is a little bit different i mean you pointed out straight away sam you know that the little cottage in the corner as you always do um which is you know in itself is unique the way it's laid out is unique its positioning is unique um and their fans i think you know I, it's interesting because i think about you know we've got a certain um stereotypical Bournemouth fan from an outside point of view. It's really interesting when you go different places and you, and you see what the kind of uh, makeup of the fan base is. And I saw a lot of, you know, really kind of men in business suits and ladies in fur coats and hats. And it was, you know, it was, it was a very different kind of footballing um, fan base to experience. I'm sure it's not like that all the way around the ground, but it, nevertheless, very interesting. Yeah, it is. And you know what? The last time I went there was a long time ago. So I didn't go to the 5-1 that everyone talks about. I and mean, Steve Cook's wonder goal. I wasn't there yeah. for the 3-0. The last time I went there was 
I swear it felt like back in the late nineties where it was an open terrace and Bournemouth drew nil nil there. And it was, you know, we took a load of fans and it was, yeah, it was, it was a very, very good day and always a good day out in it because look, when you go into London, you can usually get into a number of pubs, um, you know, have some drinks on the train. Although, you know, in terms of pubs, we, we, we did struggle to get in a few, didn't we? Yeah. But do you know what? What we did do, Sam, is we had a, we had a few a few beverages yeah. on the little on the little <laughs> boat over. So I think well we we made up for lost time in that respect, didn't we? But it was. But then again, you think it was Friday night in London, you know, in West yeah. London. A lot of the pubs are going to be busy anyway. You put a football game in there as well. You know, I'm sure a lot of places were looking at us, thinking, "Oh, we don't want to let them in." No, no, exactly, very true. Yeah, and look. I'll tell you what, when the fixtures came out, we looked at Fulham as being an away day that we would focus on thinking, you know, that's going to be perfect. It's going to be on Saturday, three o'clock. It's going to be brilliant. And then the closer we got, it was clear that Sky were going to pick it based on the fact that Fulham yeah. was second, Bournemouth were first. And we were easily head and shoulders above most teams in the division. I hope we can still say that come the end of the season as well. So it's... Not a surprise that Sky actually then uh, decided to move it to the Friday night. But form, momentum, injuries and pretty much everything over the last three weeks seemed to dictate that it was probably going to be a Fulham home win, surely. Yeah, I mean, we we did say on the way in, you know, we wanted to be positive. So Tom and I both said 2-1, but we'd all accept the fact that if we got away with a draw, we'd be really happy with that. Um the game, the way it panned out, made it feel a little bit disappointing at the end. But um, before the game, definitely would have taken a draw. We weren't even sure who was going to play. And to see the lineup was quite a surprise, actually. It was a surprise when I saw it. And you know what? It's It was a really interesting game, actually. And obviously, we'll talk about the minutiae of the game as it uh, comes up in about five minutes when we start to tackle that. But... It was a game where, you know, obviously we went ahead, we conceded late, etc. With the personnel that we had, I mean, we've had a load of stick from Fulham fans about the way we played and parkable and all this kind of stuff. But with the available personnel, perhaps you can possibly see why we adopted the technique that we did during that game. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, one of the really interesting things about this game is that um, I don't know how it's kind of happened, but there's a lot of to to and fro kind of back and forth between Parker and Silver in the press and he was very keen to point out the fact that we we had Silver noticed that we changed system and I, I think Parker did do that purposefully mm. um Jacob Tanswell I don't know if you read much of his stuff Sam I know that you do because you love him but uh he he he's written some really interesting things about how Parker does continually change the system tweak the system we weren't sure whether we were going to see a back three at one point um but you know, he he changed it into a system that he thought would work. And for the most part, under the conditions, it kind of did. Yeah. So these were the headlines then. This was the team that graced the pitch at Craven Cottage. Cahill and Smith returned, much to uh, the surprise of many, especially Gary Cahill. Mark Condes was in from the off. And uh, also we had the return of uh, Ben Pearson on the bench, but also Robbie Brady as well, Mm. who uh, then played a few cameo minutes towards the end of the game. So that dictated the formation, I suppose, because we were all wondering three at the back, four at the back. How's it going to be? But, you know, I was quite happy with that when I saw it. I must admit, because me and Tom 
chatted on the preview show and I thought if you're going to play that back three or if you want to call it a back five, you can. And then you've got to choose. You have Leif Davis on the left or you have Jaden Anthony. Uh, Leif Davis mm. is better defensively. Jaden Anthony's, you know, much better up the final third. Therefore, you know, and there's not that player in the middle, I think. So to have, uh, you know, both a left back in Adam Smith, but also Jaden Nancy available uh, to play at the same time sort of makes sense. Leif Davis, as it happened, wasn't even in the squad for that, um, for whatever reason that was. But when you saw that team and when you saw the opposition, Tiggs, because, I mean, we're just looking at it and it's, a, it's like a who's who of players that will probably grace the Premier League next year. I mean, Harry Wilson, uh, Wilson's done well in the Premier League. Yeah. Mitrovic would have probably liked more minutes under Parker in the Premier League. But you're looking through those players, you know, Seri, Cabano. Ador- I mean, there are so many players there that are decent players. And when I saw that team line up and, you know, with Mark Condes, who's not had minutes in a while, I was a little worried, I've got to say. Well, I think what's interesting, Sam, is that we didn't go man to man. You know, that, that formation that Fulham play is not dissimilar to the formation that we usually play, but actually we mm-hmm. changed it up. We packed out the middle. We played a little bit narrower, tried to pull them inside rather than letting them get around us. And I think it really, really worked. I was surprised to see Mark Condes. Um, but then when you look at that formation you just put on the screen, you can understand why, why he's yeah. been used there. Um, I was also really surprised, but delighted to see Steve Cook partnering Gary Cahill. Now, that is yeah. something that I never thought that we would see. We had many conversations about those those two together, whether that could happen or not. We didn't think it would, um, especially the way the season started and, and Steve's chances being very, very limited. But now, after this game, and we'll talk about the things that he did later on, there have been so many plaudits coming his way and there's been so much talk about him now making a resurgence within the team that he's almost undroppable. It's very, very interesting. And there's been some interesting comments as well in the Echo newspaper uh, an interview with him about where he sees his future. I don't know if you saw that one. No, I haven't seen it yet. But, uh, you know, like, what did Steve Cook do during that game, mate? He, uh, you know, he, he was fairly solid, but I don't think he did. Oh, I can't wow. wait to talk about that. I cannot yeah. wait because it, it was absolutely superb. Some more chats before we get into the meat and bones of the game. Thomas says, how much did you pay to get the boat? I think our transport was 11 quid for the day. That includes yeah. uh, TFL. So I think it's about six six quid for the boat and then five for everything oh. else on the mm. underground or something like that. Um yeah, some, I, I can't remember. Something along those lines. Uh, Aaron K. Evening all. Huge three games coming up. Jacob, BOTN should do a young fan cam. Yeah, you know what? We probably should. Yeah, I like that. Why, why not? Kerry Phillips is here. Evening all. Evening Kerry. Who else have we got? Pete East. Nice to see you at Millwall, fella. Uh, brilliant to see you. Who else have we got? Evening Blue Spanners, says, uh, says Rich Neil. We've also got View from the lookout and many more as well. Terry Vane is here as well saying, I think we forget if we get Kelly and Zamora back with Lewis Cook now firing, we, we stand a good chance of winning the league. Wow. Ooh. Love it. Linda's here. Hi, Linda. We've also got Martin as well. And a number of others chatting amongst yourselves whilst you are here. Should we ask them to do us a little bit of a favour with a, with this like thumbs up, mate? Oh, yes, please. I mean, if you could. Yeah. Like it, this video, that would be that would be a remarkable, remarkable. I mean, we're tr- we, we should hit a little target. I don't know how many likes we've got at the moment. Can anyone in the chat tell me how many likes we've got at the moment? Yeah, let us know. I I think we should go for something conservative, like seventy five. 
I mean, I, in an ideal world, look, there are 80, 81 people watching. Uh, you know, there are Champions League matches on. I understand a lot of people are going to be watching this on catch up or listening in their cars tomorrow morning or whatever, or listening via the podcast, which I completely understand. In which case, why don't you write us a review? But if you can, please leave us a thumbs up. We really appreciate it. It really helps the channel. It's completely free. We don't know who's liked it or not. So if you're one of those who who don't like to publicly like things in case we see it, we don't know who's liked. We also don't know who's disliked as well. We get a fair few of them as well. So yeah, we make sure you give us a thumbs up. And what that does is it puts it in front of more eyes right then. The match itself ticks. And it's fair to say the first half was better than the second, right? Yeah, it, well, for me it was, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was. Um, and it was a very interesting affair to kind of break down and, and tactically how we went about it. We talked a little bit about that already in shape and formation and personnel, but a, quite a frantic game as well, I would say. Um, fairly aggressive, but not too aggressive. Um, I liked it. I thought I thought it was, um, if you were at home and you were watching it on your on your Sky or your Now TV, you would have thought, well, that was worth the, the money for sure. So, yeah, a good game and, um, yeah, very enjoyable. What I'm watching, so basically what I'm doing at the moment, and this is this is a cheeky way to dissect a game, I'm actually watching the... Uh, I can never do this, but there you go. I'm watching the highlights from the official oh, yeah. website, like seven minutes of which, and I'm looking through like the main talking points. And the first moment of action, right, is where Marcondes, Marcondes, is steaming forward up the pitch. And then as he reaches the penalty box, he, he plays a square pass to the left, which brings in Adam Smith. He cuts in onto his right foot. And then he has a low shot that goes in towards the keeper. Mm. Mark Hondes, I've never really known what type of player he is. I've always thought maybe he's a billing light or something like that, but mm. it was great to see him, you know, marauding up the pitch. And then he put in Adam Smith who had a low shot. It was saved easily by the keeper, but it showed that we did have a bit of intent and we weren't looking to sit back from the off. Now, Fulham fans always go on about Parker Ball and Parker Ball only happens when we take the lead. And I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about that in the second half. But there was a real nice ebb and flow about the game. Bournemouth were creating chances, but so were Fulham. And, you know, Mark Travers, it's fair to say, was being worked quite hard in the first half with a number of shots, especially from their left-hand side from, from memory. Yeah, I, I remember the same. And, um, you know, it's a real testament to Travers and how much he's he's come along. Mm. I don't want to hark on about previous comments we've made, but really, when we started the season, did you think we'd be having Travers in goal against Fulham? Top two clash? I don't think anyone did. I don't think Mark Travers thought that. So um, his development has really, really come on, really improved. And I feel so assured with him there now, I don't worry at all. I, I never worry at all. I never think, oh, he could get lobbed or he won't come and claim that or he won't be able to punch that. He's For me, he is quickly becoming a very all-round good goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I think, he, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm just watching now, there was, a, there was a low save to his right that he made, um, again from a shot from distance where he just palmed it around the post. And yeah, he does seem to be really good with the saves. He always clears them into safety. He doesn't, you know, mm. parry back them out um, into the penalty box where people are going to, you know, maybe follow up. I think that he's, you know, really strong. He claims crosses really well, really yeah. vocal. Fairly good with his feet. I mean, we wanted him to get experience. I think League One would be, oh God, is it a bit too easy for him? 
Maybe. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think there's yeah. any reason for him now to not be thinking of himself at a minimum as a championship goalkeeper. You know, he's been playing the championship. He's playing against championship strikers week in, week out. And he, you know, he's doing a great job. The only thing I would like to see more is I'd like to see more goals in his game, personally. I think that would be, you know, if he can get up the pitch and score a few more goals, that'd be great. Dave King's on chat saying, hope you're well. Great result of Fulham. Great performance and fantastic support. Yeah, here's one. Look at this. Hopefully Fulham will accept a Stacey Mitrovic swap. <laughs> in the tra- That's easy to say. In the transfer window, keeping my hopes up. Yeah, interesting. John Smithers. Well, you'll like what we have to say about Steve Cook shortly because he says, mm. Steve Cook, what a blocking legend. That's nice. Was. I like that. That's clever. So yeah. we spoke about, Mark Ondes, the fact that he, uh, you know, it's quite interesting to see him getting involved quite a lot on the ball. And then uh, later on in the match, on the left-hand side of the pitch, he put in a, a really good cross, actually, onto the head of Dom Solanke. And I've only ever seen this once since then. And that is just now where he had a header that just went past the post. And I don't know about you, at the time, I thought it was an excellent chance. So I'm looking back and I think Tom, uh, Dom should have probably directed his header a little bit better there because it kind of fell to him quite nicely. And I think Mm. maybe the position of his body kind of dictated that he could only head it almost back in that direction, but he just needed to get something more on it. But we were creating chances, weren't we? Yeah, we were. And it's, it's so interesting. Again, I I don't want to talk too much about post post uh, match comments, but um, Silver again talked about how uh, from his point of view, they should have been Fulham two or three goals up at halftime. So um, it's not doesn't quite tell the whole story of the game that I'm not saying that we should have been, but we definitely did have chances. They were definitely letting us create chances. I don't think they expected us to to get as much space on the ball as we did the way they were closing us down initially. But we were moving the ball quickly. So it really, really worked. Um, And yeah, and I got to say, I did like uh, Solanke's fashion accessory as well, the headbands. Yeah, it, oh, it did look good, didn't it? <laughs> different gravy, I think, is the is what admin said, wasn't that? Yeah, different. Yeah, absolutely different gravy. And yeah. he, you know, what that chance that we alluded to just there was was one of a couple of decent chances for him. Obviously, he scored our goal, but there was a there was a really nice moment um, midway through the half where Lewis Cook picked up the ball very deep in his own half, and he ran on forward and then played in Dom Solanke, who picks it up almost in the centre circle but in the Fulham side of the pitch. And, you know, you're looking at it now. I'm, I'm I'm just looking at it on the screen. And there's like four players in front of him. Mm. And he he manages to just do a couple of step overs and then completely bamboozle them and get a shot away, which I think he, he'll probably wish he would have done better. But he just pulled it past the post. And when you're on, the, you're, when you're on your left foot like that, it's always going to be difficult to create the angle. I mean, what he would have probably preferred is to open his body up and take mm. it with his right foot. And then you've got the choice of either, you know, trying to uh, slide rule it into the far post or maybe, you know, putting it to the right of the keeper and you put it through a near post. But we were creating chances. So for a match where I thought that we were going to be completely under the cosh from the off, I've got to say, as we went into halftime ticks, I was actually feeling quite good about things because I was part of me was expecting that we were going to be one nil down at that stage. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I felt high as a kite, really, about it. It was all going well. Um, we were matching them. We were giving them something to worry about. And, you know, regardless of the way that they play, they're going to be thinking to themselves, oh, man, you know, Bournemouth have had a few little chances here. We've really got to be careful. We can't maraud forward with abandon. They are a good team. Um, but that said, you know, Fulham were a good, very, very good. And we had to be careful as well. Not least the fact that there was a potential. Was that in the first half potential penalty shout, Sam? I've still not seen that again. Was that on Harry Wilson? It 
it I mean when Dom I saw it, Harry, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it to, to me when I saw it, I thought that's gonna be a pen. And I've got a feeling that if if you then put it back to VAR in the Premier League, yeah. you know, something like that would probably get given. I'm I'm almost certain. But I would need to see it again to make sure, you know, to actually find out. But, you know, that was one of a couple of chances that, um, you know, Fulham could have had. I mean, look, shall 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 we talk about that Steve Cook moment, Tiggs? I mean, I think we have to. I mean, oh, yes, explain please. it. Explain it from your point of view, because, you know, I saw their attack on the left hand side. It, it was Mitrovic, wasn't it? And he cut yeah. in with his right foot. And at that point, you're looking at the fact that he's got umpteen goals this season. Um, you know, the the defence were in disarray, really, because he cut into his right and everyone was trying to readjust their bodies because they thought maybe he's going to take it on his left. He didn't. He cut back with his right, shot. And then what happened? Uh, then Steve Cook put his body on the line. And I can't put it any more, um, any more eloquently than that. I mean... I thought from where I was that he just took it square on in the face. Yeah. Um, and then he gets up, makes a quick dash, and then he puts his body on the line again, takes another one. Uh, and it did look like, do you remember that do you remember that video that goes around on kind of social media every now and again of the goalkeeper who's pl- who's playing in goal and, and he just gets every shot just hits him straight in the face and he saves everyone. <laughs> yeah, it right. reminded me of that, you know, he, you know, bruised and bloodied. He must have been surely, but, some people say that on a better look, it looked like it maybe it was the top of his chest, but still, his instincts are incredible. You can understand, and forgive me for harking to the past, why he made that mistake at Norwich all so long ago, because instinctively, he just stops balls going in, doesn't he? And he'll use any part of his body to do it. But he was, um, yeah, he was fantastic. That was that's a brilliant shot. That you can just see his head around the corner of someone's leg. That's brilliant. It reminded me of what it was, I don't know, for England, John Terry. And there was mm. this moment where he just chucked his, he chucked his body across. It was like a flying salmon yeah. from, from left to right, right? Like trying to head the ball away. And it, and it sort of, it sort of reminded me of that. And I must admit in real time, there was a, I think Mitrovic was actually looking for a handball and he put his arms in the air. And you know what, well, when I was looking at it, you could be forgiven for thinking that, well, surely to God, he must've, he must have used his hands, but no, he didn't. It was a chest. I mean, a bit of chin as well. I mean, I think his teeth were involved, but either way, <laughs> it was superb. And the way that everyone congratulated him afterwards, you know what? A player that's had a season like he has, we've heard sound bites of him online. And look, he's a professional guy, but he's obviously very disappointed about the situation. He's not happy about the situation. It wouldn't be a surprise if he goes in January, but it's almost fitting that a player like that comes and does something incredible as that. Because, yes, of course, we know he can score a goal. We've seen him score many a wonder goal for AFC Bournemouth. But in a match such as that, what a moment for him. And you know what? It's rare It's rare that I watch those kind of moments more than goals. But I yeah. think I've probably watched that moment more than Dom's goal more times. I, I think I have. You can't... You can't play any more of a bigger compliment than those of a certain age. It's real Roy of the Rovers stuff, isn't it? I mean, short of Steve Fletcher putting on his on his boots and coming on the pitch, you couldn't have had a more iconic moment for that game for us in terms of a leader stepping up. And, and he was captain for the game as well. Like, How many times do you get someone who's been fit all season, captain, not played, but when he has played, 
immense, absolutely yeah. immense. And I really do hope that he does play some more. Uh, I spoke about it a little bit earlier. There were some interesting comments from him in an interview in the Echo. And um, he said he just still doesn't know where his future lies. Mm. But um, he's a professional and he will continue doing his best for the team. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. He, he basically said, you know, I was told I could leave in the summer, um, but that didn't happen. So now what happens? It's really interesting, really interesting thing for us to watch here from, you know, from back of the net and watching it unravel. And hopefully maybe we might get a chat with Steve at some point too. Carrie Phillips says that she watched it back at midnight. And I know you did this because you were trying not to look on social media and Steve Cook almost had me waking up the neighborhood. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not a surprise. I'm not a surprise, Kerry. So that boded well. And yeah, we went into half time. At nil nil, did you go down into the concourse at half time, Tiggs? Tell us what you did because if you did, I'm guessing you might have missed a key moment in the game. Yeah, I went down, uh, I was hungry, um, so I went down to get something to eat. The queues were astronomical, people were um, sandwiched together, um, uh, somewhat, and it was very difficult to get around the Bournemouth section of the yeah. um of the shared concourse area i found that if i just wiggled a little bit more i was in the fulham section and um i was able to get some food in there without any any bother but people were standing on the stairway and, and stuff like that and, and trying to get drinks and there's a lot of people drinking uh and, and trying to catch up with friends and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was, it was really packed down there difficult to move from one end to the other if you wanted to if you want to get back to your seat quickly so my decision was at that point i'm going to take my my uh, uh, hot dog, which is very nice, by the way. It was recommended to me by Steve. And I'll take my hot dog and I'll go back up. I couldn't find anywhere to eat it. I genuinely, yeah, every right. time I went to take a bite, uh, uh, someone would knock into me. You know, it's, oh. So I went out to my seat and I, uh, I was up the top there with Lucy and I was just literally taking... Exactly. That was it. I was taking the last bite of my, my hot dog and I was looking down as the mustard and the, and the ketchup dribbled down my, my lovely coat. And I just saw the celebration. I just, I missed it. So I, I had no excuse really to miss it because I was up in the stands. But you, Sam, you were down, you were down underneath still, weren't you? Yeah. And excuse the language warning here, because what we're going to do is show you exactly what happened. And my God, it was mental. The beer was flying. And you know what? Yeah. For the kids that might be watching, I might actually just mute uh, what I actually say here. So what you yeah. do is just see the scenes instead. And, Beer was flying, but at this point, right, at the first <laughs> time I heard the chant, I didn't know who'd scored because the fact oh. it was a mixed concourse. So yeah. you're hearing some some like initial cheering from the stadium that because you're under the concourse, it sounds quite loud. Is that just our yeah. lot because they're nearer, or is it the whole stadium? And then you're looking at the TV, you're seeing Bournemouth on the attack, you're thinking, oh my god, it could be us. And then you see faces that you recognise. I saw Duncan Spokes, Spokesy there, jumping up and down. And then you see the goal itself. Which happened? What five seconds? Five yeah. seconds after half time? I mean, what? Yeah, between five and seven seconds. I think they're saying that no one can be quite sure because I don't know. People can't count these days. Uh, it was only I think four passes, and apparently it was something that we had worked on mm. because of this is my favourite bit because of they we noticed a weakness within Fulham, uh, which you know uh, did did uh, upset a few um, a few Fulham. Fans and their manager as well, to be fair, um, which is probably why some of the comments he made were, were kind of equally as scathing about us. But yeah, no, fantastic goal. One of the best goals I've ever seen. I'm, I, I genuinely mean that because it was it was unexpected. 
Uh, it was com- absolute quality. There was nothing fluky about it. Uh, and it really did spark off an exciting start to the second half. It really did. And, you know, to see to see the beers flying like it was. I'm glad I wasn't in the mix, I've got to say. And I probably wasn't wearing the right kind of coat that would protect me from that beer fly. I mean, who, who does that? I mean, look, they don't care about money, do they? They don't care about money. I mean, if I want a pint, I want to drink it. I certainly don't want it, you know, covered on me. But, you know, the goal itself, mate, I think, my goodness, what, you know, like, you know what a good move it was. It was it was Marcondes, wasn't it? Yeah. That played it to to Lewis Cook. That took out a man. Lewis Cook played it back to Marcondes. Marcondes back to Billing, who was to the right of Lewis Cook. First time ball with his left foot, just caressed it with his instep. And one of the most underrated parts of that goal was Dom's first touch with his left foot. Completely, well, he not only killed it, but he also uh, made it so that he didn't have to break stride when he eventually mm. hit it with his right foot. I mean, what a what a cool finish. Something that we would not have seen last season. No way. That's no. a man in form, isn't it? Yeah, and you know everything about him was brilliant in that. In that, uh, his movement mm. actually is absolutely incredible, uh, and the way that he bends his run—it's just so perfect. It's like you got to give props to that that final ball as well, because you know Dom didn't Dom didn't look over his shoulder. He knew where that ball was going to be, and it just landed so perfectly for him. And he he oh yeah, it was fantastic. And you know I, there, there was an element of obviously of people getting excited and celebrating, but there's also an element of shock from, <laughs> from both sets of supporters that this has suddenly happened. And mm. I think if you, um, if anyone is able to to catch the, the sky commentary, you know, they can't believe it either. You know, they never to see a goal like that. And it was actually some uh, pundits said it was one of the best goals, if not the best goal you've ever seen from a kickoff. Yeah. Jamie Carragher, I think tweeted that as well. And yeah. you know, sky sports were completely, uh, well, they actually put the Fulham scored on it on their graphic. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were just just like warming up. Just obviously, oh, you know, like second half has started, and obviously, as soon as the goal goes in, they're you know scrambling like, to get the graphics on, press the wrong button, and put the Fulham had scored. But it was Dom Solanke who was wheeling away in celebration, and what a goal it was! And you could see, I mean, the way as soon as that whistle went, as soon as the ball was kicked, he pelted it up the yeah. pitch. It was a it was a planned move, and. Yeah, you know, credit to whoever it was that's got because there's a few set piece goals this season that have been really good. The one at Birmingham really impressed me. Actually, Tex, we only score set piece goals when you go to the games. That's right, it is, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't told you this, but I am actually the uh, I am actually the set piece expert for Scott Parker, and the boys actually look up at me. Which one we're going for, Tigsy? And I give them a little with my fans, you know, with my face and <laughs> the hands like that, and they know which one I'm going for. The only sad thing, and I got to say this, right, yeah. and I. And I, if I'm proved wrong by this, then I will I will happily eat somebody else's hat. The only sad thing about this is we're probably never going to see that set piece play get pulled off again, are we? No. You know, teams are going to know that we've got that. Um, and because how often do you get a kickoff? Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's funny you call it a set piece. I've never considered a, a, a kickoff a set piece. So, so I know it is, but it isn't because yeah. you just don't think of it that way. So yeah, that's the only sad thing about it. We'll have to wait until we get to the Premier League, and we can do that on a few teams up there as well. The fact you see everyone celebrating just shows you. And I think Willow said it on commentary, it was a planned move. Yeah, will we be able to plan that again? Not too sure. With the corner, obviously, that you saw at Birmingham, that was Ibsen Rossi uh, peeling off yeah. the far post, wasn't it? He was always standing in the goal mouth. And then he came out and headed it across for, for Jade Nancy to score. And I just wonder, you know, it kind of, 
it's kind of reinvigorated my excitement actually of watching Bournemouth because I'm I'll be looking at individual situations thinking well what are we going to do with this now because we've seen them try to do a few things at corners as well that haven't haven't quite worked at Derby they tried something where they played it short towards the near post and then flick around the corner that ultimately was intercepted by Derby Eddie Howe liked that one as well that goal at Aston Villa that Steve Cook scored with a lovely flick it's it's kind of nice to see that but anyway we did score and and then yeah. retreat, 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 control the game, and oh, you know what? It was it made for an uncomfortable. I wouldn't say it was immediate, but the rest of that half was pretty uncomfortable, wasn't it? And you know, Fulham fans are, are perhaps rightly, um, you know, coming on our comments on our live chat here tonight, like almost goading us. As well, that's what Parker Ball is. We did warn you, but like I said at the start of the show, with the with the personnel that we had, maybe you can excuse it, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was sat next to um, a giant tree of a man, uh, or stood next to a giant tree of a man, and he he was not enjoying uh, the next kind of uh, ninety minutes, essentially. Mm. Not not ninety minutes. We're talking about forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However. If we look back on the end of this season and we get promoted, mm. um, we're not going to care, are we? What I would say is I can understand why Fulham fans uh, do get quite irate about Parker mm. Ball because um, in the Premier League, if we were to be promoted tomorrow, I don't, I don't fa- fancy our chances if, if that's what we're going to do, go 1-0 up or go 2-0 up and then, and then you know, back off. Um, but then that's maybe that's me because of the experiences that we had under Eddie and, and under Eddie, it was, you know, back, you know, just, just full out, let's go for it. Um, whereas Parker, he wants to, he, he's so what it's like, his football philosophy is to control the game, isn't it? That's what he wants. And look, when he does pull it off, it's going to look amazing. But unfortunately when he doesn't pull it off, it, it, it's always going to feel a little bit like two points lost. Yeah, I I completely agree. And you know, to me, it's it it didn't feel like. I mean, I I would have accepted the draw up until about maybe eighty minutes. <laughs> and yeah, we yeah. all know what happened after that. But I'm I'm just looking actually at the substitutions that we made, and I thought that on fifty six minutes, the substitution of taking Marcondes off and putting Ben Pearson on probably was the writing on the wall for me because we know what kind of player Mark Condes is. We also know what type of player Ben Pearson is. Yeah, they are both midfielders, but we know one is attacking and one isn't. And for me, that that just completely, um, that kind of move almost reverberated around the side. And it was like they mentally switched off. And, you know, I've spoken to Kirk about this before. He's, you know, played a lot of football. I've, I've chatted to others. It is natural to sit... Yeah on your lead. So whatever, you know, Eddie Howe did when he was like Bournemouth manager to get them to, you know, you know, keep going and keep going and keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm not so sure. Maybe it was the quality of the opposition that made us do that. Maybe against when we played Swansea at home and, you know, when we battered other teams early this season, we sort of know the teams we're playing. Therefore we can try to score more, but against Fulham, there's always going to be that threat. So you can kind of see why, but it was, it was too early really. I thought, and then once we had those players in place, 
Yeah, the goal was coming and they battered us, didn't they? They absolutely battered us. And I thought they'd probably scored two or three times already because there were some really, really good chances. And somehow, inexplicably, a lot of them were missed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of them we, we thought went in, didn't we? Mm. Uh, it was a header. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the other thing I'd say about that is that you you think, oh, doing bring it on Ben Pearson, that's to shore things up and, and make it safer. But boy, that's a risk, isn't it, on the other hand? Because mm. you're making a sub and you're saying that we're happy with, with how we are. We're, we're losing some attacking attempt. If we were to go 2-1 down, yeah, getting back into that game becomes almost impossible. And we've seen that happen before. Because of the subs that we've made, we then don't have the personnel necessarily on the pitch to be able to make a more kind of attacking fist of it. Um, so, yeah, that is a, an odd thing. I, I'm not, still not got quite used to it. But as I say, at one point, he, he will pull it off and it will look great. And we'll all go, wow, parkable. Um, like we did right at the very beginning of the season. Um, just at the moment, we've got a real tricky set of fixtures and I, I do fear for it. And it's because we end up so deep as well. It's not just that we're playing defensively. We're playing mm. deep defensively rather than pressing in the front. And what what really frustrates me is that sometimes we just really need an outlet. And Dom Solangula, yeah. he, he, he ran his socks off. And whenever we played the ball out, we were just playing it straight back to them. We just needed someone else up there you know, to be able to hold it up. And the quality just wasn't quite there. I think Jade Anthony had the chance to get away a couple of times and his pullback wasn't particularly great or it wasn't really, uh, you know, the person in the box wasn't exactly uh, ruthless with the chance that we had. And, you know, like I was sensing the fact that, you know, maybe we could like, you know, smash and grab another, but then it was clear to me that the right was on the wall and chance after yeah. chance came. And then lo and behold, on the 84th minute, uh, Tom Kearney, who came on for Fulham, uh, much to rapturous applause from all and sundry at Craven Cottage, putting the cross for Tosan to just, yeah, he, I mean, it just brushed his head really, didn't it? And it, mm. he, he just sort of guided it into the far post and Mark Travers was beaten. But, you know, to our credit, it did, you know, they didn't really have a, a chance where it's like, oh my God, that was nearly 2 1. We, you know, like we stayed, no. you know, fairly firm. And Scott Parker emerged from Craven Cottage with a point. And look, we can all debate whether Scott Parker is, you know, whether his style is right or wrong for us. But it's very difficult to argue when you're in the position that you're in, isn't it? Yeah, completely. You know, we're, we're where we are on merit and, you know, his tactics have worked and the players have worked hard for him and we've got good performances and we've had some okay ones and we've had some bad ones, but you know, we're still doing excellently. We're still in the top two. We would have taken, we would have snatched your hand off for that last season when we were thinking, Oh my goodness, we're kind of drifting away uh, in sixth position. Can we, can we keep the playoffs? So we haven't made any real additions, massive additions. And we've got Cahill, um, so, yeah, I'm really, really happy with how it's going overall. Just going quickly back to a point earlier that you said, uh, Sam, about an outlet. I think the most frustrating thing about the way that we played for me, and this is the only thing that I've kind of a, a genuine criticism because at the end of the day, we've got a draw against a very good team, yeah. is that when we um, had, when Fulham had a corner, we had mm. every single man back. But Fulham did not have every single man in attack to our, to our box. So there was no out. Every time the ball came out, every time we defended one of their corners, it just went out to three of their players sitting on the kind of six yard box or sitting out. There was nobody out there from us. So it was just relentless. We're going to have to defend, 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 defend for the last five minutes of the game with no out ball, with nothing out. That that was the only thing that kind of really 
confused me a little bit because I just thought you just need to take one man out of the box and it might take one of their men with us and you know there's an outback but hey what can you do what can you do so the cherries players left the pitch maybe slightly frustrated but ultimately i'm sure pleased with a point that keeps us in touch with fulham and we have got some difficult matches on the way but look scott parker was the talk of many a Fulham fan. And in fact, he was the he was the talk of many people online as well. So let's just briefly talk about that too. So, yes, you may have seen the League of 72 interview, Tiggs. In fact, Tiggs, I absolutely know you did because we had a little bit of chat about it on the train. Did you see the League of 72 interview with Parker? Yes, with James. He speaks so much like Eddie in that. Yeah, he was really good. I, I really enjoyed that. Parker was good, yeah. I liked how he said about the young players giving him a chance because he can then mould them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, his philosophy and the way that he talks about it. And he really comes across really well. I suppose so in terms of... Parker seems quite shifty, his words. I like things is important in terms yeah. of like, um, the progression and the, you know, bringing the... I like what he said about bringing the, the other people. He, yeah. like, he can mould them, and they've got they haven't got any fear. They're just yeah, going to do yeah. Just the way he articulates his ethos. I'm sorry, yeah. I know what you mean though. In terms of his mannerisms, they're very different. Yeah, he's a lot Yeah, so we're we're talking here about the League of Seventy Two interview with Scott Parker, and if you haven't seen it, I do advise you check it out. There is a link in the description below. If you don't know much about League of Seventy Two. They create weekly EFL content covering the whole 72 from Bournemouth through to Barrow. They're a fairly fairly new channel, actually. They've been around since August, but they're hoping to grow, build a community of highly engaged EFL fans. And uh, they cover all sorts of topics. And uh, James Alcott chatted to Scott Parker. Do like their video and go and subscribe there. Because I thought, really nice video, actually. It's about 30 minutes long. And... We brief, uh, we briefly chatted about it on the on the boat, not the train. We we did so many different forms of transport that day, mate. Yeah. You know, I don't know where we were, but I did find it a really interesting interview and one where he seemed fairly relaxed, which he rarely ever does. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. You're right, and um, it's quite interesting whenever he does press conferences and. Um, Neil Meldrum, uh, not Neil Meldrum, why did I say that? Neil Perrett's okay. often there yeah. uh, and he, he'll try and throw some curveball in there just to kind of break him a little bit because he is a serious chap when yeah. it comes to football. He likes to keep serious. So, But that with Olcott, Olcott really kind of warmed him up, got, got him loose. And they started talking about all kinds of really interesting things, uh, including football manager there. I don't know if you saw the little football manager yeah. logo because uh, Scott Park was talking about how he used to, how he used to play some of the older ones uh, on there. So it's a really good interview, one I'd heartily recommend. Um, yeah, one of the probably the best Scott Parker interview I've actually heard. Yeah, absolutely. Do check out League of 72. If you're watching now, open a new tab or whatever you're doing and make sure you watch that video. But also like and subscribe to the channel. Look, uh, James, I think, is an excellent presenter. I've seen him on YouTube for, for many a year now. And he's got this habit of getting the best out of the people that he chats to. So always worth a look at. And yeah, Scott Parker seemed to relax few stats to show you right ticks passes from the game we're in oh. blue we're in blue <laughs> fulham okay there are in orange uh they do seem to outnumber us somewhat they i think we clocked about 330 passes or something fulham like right. over 500 
Wow. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they completely outschooled us really in many a way. Hopefully we can do that against Blackburn. And also we have got some, some, some heat maps as well, Tiggs. We are Ooh, going love a heat map. This one doesn't, this, this one paints a picture really, doesn't it? Bournemouth's heat map. I mean, mm. we're, we're basically camped, mate. We're basically camped, whereas Fulham are all over the pitch, which um, tells a, sco- a story, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. Um, what can I even say about that? <laughs> yeah, just, um, we, we need to improve that. We need we to improve really, But then I think that was the plan, wasn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's what he wanted. And this is the thing, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I try not to be criti- too critical of the players because I think, to me, it's clear that that's what Scott wants them to do. I, I might be wrong, but he was always so full of praise afterwards in the way that they controlled the game or the way that they kept the other team you know, at bay. That makes me think, well, that's that's what he wanted then, was it? He wanted them to, to kind of sit back and, and absorb that pressure. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too critical of the players for that because I think maybe if they'd... If they tried to get a bit further up the pitch, maybe they would have been doing the thing that they weren't asked to do. Yeah, and as a result of their possession, they had so many more shots than mm. we did as well. I mean, it looks like about 50% of our shots there are, are pretty much outside the box. you got one just inside there. But from their perspective, I mean, they've got a hell of a lot inside the box as well. Re- you know, really interesting stats from whoscored.com. Right, be quite interesting to see what everyone else has got to say. So we're going to get some more opinions now. We love opinions. We love opinions. First one, Morgan Scott. Uh, in the early changes of the first half, uh, Fulham uh, had a, a few opportunities and much other, as equal to them as anyone could ever be. Then uh, uh, Adam Smith uh, had a great shot and it was saved by the Fulham keeper. And it kind of, um, and then Solanke missed a header that just went just wide. Into the second half, a minute in, Dom Solanke. What a finish. It was a fantastic ball by Philip Billen, floated over the top, Solanke on the move. And what was he going to do? Nothing more than hit it into the roof of the net. It was a golden finish from Dom Solanke and it's so good to see him in such good form. Um, ahead of our trip to um, Blackburn, we just got to make sure that we're on it for minute one. Grind these results out and hopefully we'll be top of the table at Christmas. Up the cherries and I'll see you all soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon, Morgan Scott. Also, it was nice to hear from Terry Nichols too. Hi. I have to say that I really enjoyed the Fulham game. I especially liked at the beginning of the second half when they scored in the first 10 seconds and all the Fulham fans around me were like, what just happened? What just happened? And then we held on pretty good and I was hoping for a win, but... Of course, Fulman, Fulham scored. I thought Steve Cook played excellent. I was glad to see Ben Pearson come in. And it was an awesome goal from Solanke. And I heard all the Bournemouth fans were top of the league. Not for very long, but up the cherries. And I hope we make it to the automatics. Oh, lovely. Uh, thank you for that, Terry. And one more, I think. Have we got Duncan there, Sam? Evening all. Sat outside the COVID vaccine centre while the wife has a booster jab. So, a few thoughts on Fulham. Friday night football under the lights. Tremendous atmosphere. Really, really good 
afternoon out and evening out, a few beers, a few sing-songs in, in the pubs. Utter carnage under the Putney stand. You know, what a concourse that was. Uh, not massively impressed with that, but overall, I'd say it was a good day out. Love to go back to Craven Cottage uh, when the new stand has been built and then they get the neutral end back and you could probably have four or 5,000 away fans. But just one other thing to say on the uh, the Fulham game. Can we please stop singing we're top of the league when we go 1-0 up? We were up at Derby, we were up at Millwall, we are up at Fulham. We're top of the league and bang, equaliser goes in. So let's cut that song out and maybe get behind the lads in, an, in a different way. Take care all. See you at Borough. Cheers. We're top of the league. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't oh, yeah. do that. I must, really and you not. know what? That's not the only song that I think we should be singing as well. Um, look, we're a fan channel. We don't want to go against our own supporters, but that Ryan Fraser one needs to get in the bin. Oh, yeah. that's absolutely dreadful. Stop it. Um, no doubt this is going to be memed up and put on Facebook. I don't care. Right, some closing comments from anyone on chat. Duncan. Duncan, it's like 3D. He's in our ears and he's on. He's everywhere. He, he's in our eyes as well. Uh, evening chaps, stop that top of the league song. You never know, though. We could be top of the league at the weekend as well as Blackburn roll into town, Tiggs. But it's going to be a Blackburn side that are full of form and full of confidence. I've, I just hope it's not going to be another Coventry. Yeah, me too, mate. I mean, I, I, I think they will come as you say, full of confidence and that might play into our hands a little bit. I'd rather be playing against a team that are going to attack and then force us to attack as a result. Uh, so that's that's good in that respect. I just hope, as you say, it's not a Coventry and we don't end up getting a couple of goals and then backing off them. But hey, if we go up, if we go up, then all my words will mean nothing, won't they? few minutes left rob really wants to watch master chef and yeah, you know we sorry, rob. we want to go up we need to go up and it, it feels for both sides there are certain players that are maybe integral to most things they do alexander mm. mitrovic for them and dom solanke for us i mean i think bournemouth have got cover for most positions on the pitch but if dom solanke's injured that's where we need to start worrying and that I think that's where the league is decided at the moment. You know, I might seem silly later on saying that, but uh, if either of us were to lose our our striker, our tal- talisman, as it were, to injury, then it could really derail both of our seasons, us and Fulham. So that's why the game was so interesting. That's why there's a lot of chat of uh, Dom versus Mitro on, on Twitter. And there's even an article about it. Talk exactly. about Tanswell again. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I think you're right, Sam. I think, you know, we need to look to strengthen. Maybe we'll be up against Fulham in trying to sign the same sort of player. We just don't know yet. But there has been a little bit of talk that we've been uh, look at the lookout for one of the Arsenal players, I think. Ooh. Have you seen this on Twitter? No, I haven't. I haven't. I think somebody put it in chat earlier. Uh, now, I can't remember the guy's name. Can anyone remember in chat? A little bit of chat. Uh... I can't remember, mate. I've, I've not been on Twitter much today. You know what? I'm using Twitter less and less these days. I must admit, because I find these shows so therapeutic that whenever we lose or draw or drop points, uh, a lot of people, and apparently the AFCB hashtag can be a little bit toxic. Facebook groups even worse. But um, I must admit, I don't go on there and don't get involved with all the stuff afterwards. So I haven't seen much of it, apart from to self-promote you back of the net. So you haven't seen any transfer rumours, but, um, that, you know, there have been some. Uh, uh, Balogun. That's that the right? guy. That's the guy, yeah. Balogun, yeah. 
Yeah, striker, I believe. I believe. And and not dissimilar, although obviously not as experienced as our Dom in, in terms of the way he may be able to play. I, I don't think we're going to get a Dom Solanke carbon copy because he does too many things. Mm. But if he could do a couple of things that Dom does, then, you know, it might be a good good one to have. Ticks. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been lovely. It's been beautiful. Oh, thank you, mate. I've enjoyed it too. It's been, it's, yeah, really, really kind of special evening for me being here with you. Brilliant. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. really enjoyed that show with Mr Tiggs I've got to say and if you want to watch it of course you do why wouldn't you it's at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast look we always talk about the YouTube channel right it's where we manage to generate a little bit of revenue that helps keep these things going and we're trying to be more streamlined with the way we do the pod so from next year you may see a few changes or hear them at least on the pod which gives you more content but perhaps in a more raw way i bet you're looking forward to that right stay tuned for that but if you want to get on board then just go to youtube.com forward slash afcb podcast hit the subscribe button and then after every single game we'll present you with a raw reaction video we try to get it up within about an hour of full time then, of course, we have a match day vlog, which is uploaded within 24 hours later as we take you on our journey to Dean Court or beyond, wherever we travel. And then, of course, we'll have the second look every time after a weekend game as well, plus content in the week. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you join us on our journey to the Premier League. Hopefully that's where we're going. Look, Friday night's match may have been the galvanising effect that we need Fingers crossed we take it into a very tricky game against Blackburn. It's not going to be easy, but three points would be absolutely huge, not least because of our arduous trip to Middlesbrough the following week. As ever, thank you so much for listening. And if you did appreciate this podcast, you can go onto your app and give us a review if you can. But for now, up the cherries. And thanks for listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. There's a referee, restarts the second half, Solanke inside the box, Dominic Solanke! Within seconds of the restart, a huge goal for Bournemouth away at Fulham in this top of the table clash, but it had to be, didn't it? Their top scorer, number 17 for the season, right in front of the travelling Cherry supporters. Podcast Network.